This week on How To Be 60, the inimitable Linda Robson. Expect lots of name dropping and lots of that infamous potty mouth. Penny Lancaster just can't get her head around it. Did your mum swear? I said, no, my mum was Catholic Irish. She would never swear, especially on a Sunday she wouldn't swear. Did your dad swear? I said, no. So she went, why do you think you swear? I said, I ain't got a fucking clue, love. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm wondering how to be sick. It's scaring the shit out of me. So we are back on track with How To Be 60 after a very strange and emotional few weeks. Uh, the death of the Queen, of course, uh, dominating the news cycle. Um, I don't know, Karen, I don't know what it's like for you. For me, it was so bizarre because of amidst all of that, you know, with the passing of the Queen and everything... I was preparing for Strictly, so it was these two, you know, strange worlds. Meanwhile, you're just dodging about in the camper van as usual. <laughs> Nothing changes for you. I know it doesn't. And, of course, no access to TV and, well, I've got access to radio, but don't bother. And so, yeah, it's just... So well, when did you a... hear about the Queen then? Uh, I was on a campsite, Rosemarkey. And, and um, you know, you've, you, it was an alert, a BBC alert. Or some sort of alert, and it it was an odd one. It's a bizarre feeling, but uh, yeah, uh, you just you think I don't know anyone in this campsite. You just want to speak to somebody about it, and Stephen's not interested. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big royalist, but I think I wanted to speak to somebody about it. So yeah, it was it's odd. so funny. Who actually. were you? Well, it was the Thursday, so we were doing this big shoot for Strictly. So it was all glamorous and, you know, all the kind of mm-hmm. fancy dresses and all the rest of it. La La Land, as I like to call it. Um, and then it was kind of just after lunchtime, got the alert and thought, hmm, mm-hmm. just something about it. You thought this this is probably it. You're waiting for the next alert, yeah. aren't you? Um, and then I went to meet um, Nadia, Nadia Sawala, another couple of people at a restaurant in London. Look at me, I'm glamorous, aren't I? Um, <laughs> and we just sat there with the with their phone on BBC News because we kind of knew it was coming. Mm. And then the announcement did come. It was a long lunch at half past six. Um, and it was so odd because, like Nadia said, I really feel like standing up and announcing to the restaurant that this has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you say you want to tell people, mm-hmm. but everyone was just chatting and drinking and getting on with their lives. And you had this kind of momentous announcement. It was so strange. And we're sort of going, I said, go on, stand up, <laughs> you know, because it just seemed odd. I guess the thing is, not everyone feels the same way. I mean, I think the majority of people felt something, but there are others that just... Yeah, but I mean, whether, whether you feel grief, but I mean... It's a huge, huge it's massive. event, no, isn't it? Yet. You know, just like <clears throat> it's a massive. I mean, in terms of the grief, I have to say, it didn't kick in for me that day because it was just such an odd day. The next day, I really started to think about my mum and dad. And no, you, was you, this your dad's birthday? No, it was my mum's birthday. birthday. Yeah, the Queen died on my mum's, right. what would have been my mum's 89th yeah. birthday. So I was kind of, that yes. was in the back of my head all day anyway. Um, and I don't, and then you know what it's like when somebody dies... And then you start thinking about people you've lost. You feel guilty because you think, well, this isn't my moment. That is their moment. And you, do you get that conflict? I don't know if you get that or not. Yeah, I think it just highlights it. it, it yeah, it does. It makes you think about your own personal situation and, as you say, the death of your own parents. And it's. I don't think there's guilt, though. I think I just think, no, this is a time for it, it brings it home to me. Just, I mean, when somebody dies, it's a big thing. And, yeah, it was, it's obviously a massive thing, as you say, but... No, I didn't feel any guilt. 
No. No. But did no. you start to think about like your own kind of losses or not? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No. No. Gosh, that's interesting, isn't it? Maybe because it was my mum's birthday, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it was an odd one. Um, well, we're going to talk to one of the biggest fans ever of the Queen today, uh, Cockney Queen Linda Robson. <laughs> I have to say, I'm a bit terrified to be honest, because Linda is the most direct talking, straight talking person I have ever met, apart from you. So, being sandwiched in between Linda Robson and Karen McKenzie, I'm going to get beaten <laughs> up this morning. It's just going to be mental. I'm liking the sound of Linda. It's going to be yet another new best friend of mine. They're all coming from, um, I believe Linda's a loose woman person as well. I'm going to start watching. Will I? Nah, wait till, yet, tell you what, wait till I tell Linda that you've never watched Loose Women. She will duff you up. She will totally duff you up. Um, how was your latest camper van trip, by the way? Oh, well, now I know that being in a camper van, you rely on good weather. So the first few days... Uh, I knew it's sinking. Honeymoon period's <laughs> over. She's in a hotel in Benidorm no, next year. Oh, my God, you know what? Not for this camper van shit. <laughs> oh, Christ. So we've taken an awning with us, which makes a massive difference because it's like a big... It's just like the size of the camper van. It just adds a whole lot of space. And the, I got laughed off the site when I suggested we put it up because in Orkney, the winds are... <gasps> So oh the guy God. said, no, that's not happening. Um, so I thought, okay, that's take advice on that one. And uh, first two days were great. And then the winds and the rain. So the day we left What Orkney, do you do? Oh, my God. Do you and Stephen a- just have wild, passionate sex <laughs> from morning till night? <laughs> Were you looking in the window? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Funnily enough, we took to None the pub and asked for dominoes. <laughs> and that is exactly it. I said to Stephen, have we got the cards or the dominoes or even the travel scrabble? No, we haven't got any of it. Even the banana gram was all at Aviemore, so we hadn't taken anything with you us. You didn't seriously, you know, like in a caravan together, just the two Camper of you. Camper van, there's Camper a subtle difference. Of what's the difference? No, there goodness. is a difference. What's the difference? Feel, Come on, it's I two tin cans. A caravan is... Maybe for a slightly more mature person. <laughs> Camper van is more... Uh, and really, you can just take it anywhere, go down any little road. Oh, this is interesting. This is such an interesting insight. The number of people who've just hit 60 or about to hit 60 that I have heard talking about camper vans is yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it's an epidemic. Yeah. Even Carol Vodeman has got a trendy camper van. She's going to speak to us I in a was few weeks, there. by the was way. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And they think, yeah, I'm a hipster. I could have a surfboard on the top. Yeah, I go anywhere. I'm mobile. Why are you speaking in that accent? Well, because that's how you all come across. No, no. And then you say, oh, caravans, no. They're stuck there in the one place. They're no, they're not. People. They're not a static van. You can carry them around, but you're just you're at the mercy of the no. winds when you're on the motorway. I've rumbled you. I've rumbled you. I'm sorry. And so you're in this tin can with Stephen. For no, two we're in days the pub. In the wind and <laughs> playing rain, dominoes. And yes. you didn't once think, "How's about it? How's about what? <laughs> Sex <laughs> with Bonnie." In front of Bonnie's eyes? No. The dog? The dog. You don't have sex in front of the dog? No, I do not. What kind of a woman are you? <laughs> Good God almighty. So B's out. Oh, actually, B's, how old is B? That puts me in line I with how long it is since you and Ian have believe. got down to it. Though it's funny you should say that. I remember once, this is me name dropping, a conversation with Robbie Williams and his wife. We are name dropping. They either do have sex in front of the dog or oh, for don't have sex sakes. in front of the dog. It's one of the two, but I can't remember which it is. You can't. That no. is a big thing. But I have had that have conversation. Have you had sex in front of your dog, B? Now, be truthful. Come on. You never, you always ask me the questions. I'm asking you a straight question. 
I have no idea if the dog is there or not. I don't check. Come on, you know. The dog is always in the bed. Oh, oh actually, somebody has just shown me. Well, it's Nathan. Somebody is Nathan. Ida Field, who's Robbie Williams' wife, says, Ida Field has been intimate with Robbie Williams in front of their dogs. She admitted it on Loose Women. Well, at least my memory is good. I remember that conversation. That was 2017. So there you go. Anyway, how did we go down this path? I have absolutely how no idea. did we go down this path? This is ridiculous. I want to know more about Strictly. Oh, tell you what, I've had two... Well, we'll have to get Linda in, have to get Linda in. She doesn't usually stay quiet this long. This is a bloody miracle, She's probably faded out at the moment. <laughs> yeah, she, she's probably... <laughs> her eyes are rolling back in her head. Um, so two light bulb moments oh, on right, Strictly so right. far. One... Yeah. I have been sharing a multi-pack of Marks and Spencer Sports Bras 36B. 36B? Did they yeah. go around you twice? Yeah, with, with Bonnie, my daughter, for years. Oh, Linda right. liked this because she's only got one bra. I am. I got measured properly. Yeah. Now, Wait, like, hang no, on, hang on. on. Guess, I'm what gonna I'm gonna guess, guess what I am. Guess what I am. Guess what I am. I would say you're a 32C. I'm a 32 double D, thank you. You're arse. <laughs> No, my boobs. I don't know what my arse Hang is. Hang on a minute. I'm a 32 double D and I am loving it. That is bollocks. It's not. I'm looking at you, Kay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had a very posh lady, you yeah. know, from Strictly. So I'm a 32 double D and I've got new bras and it's marvellous. And do they fit you? Yes, they fit me, Karen. I yes, they fit me. Yeah, there's by a special <laughs> yes. yeah, maker that kind of like wants to... Shut up, look shut up. And then good. the other thing is I've realised I am reverse ageist. Could I try that brown as no. well? No, no, no. Right, you're reverse ageist. What do you mean by that? Well, because all these gorgeous young dancers are all around. They're all sort of mid-20s. Yeah. You know, oh, right, so you're and, them. you know, they're beautiful, they're talented, they're glamorous, and... And they're very friendly and lovely. I mean, genuinely very friendly and lovely. <laughs> is that and throwing like, you? Well, it is because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, one of them will come over and go, hi, how are you? What are you doing today? Is everything good with you? How's your dancing going? Do you patronise Yeah, you? that's my answer. And then I think, why are you speaking to me? I'm an old lady. Honestly, that's the thought that goes through my head. Is that because when you were young, you wouldn't have bothered with older people? I think that's the truth. Okay. I think that's the truth. I think I've realised if I had been okay. young and gorgeous... I this might have a been a complete you. twat. Thankfully, just if you were young and gorgeous. Yeah, uh, thankfully I Where was. Where do you just, stand now? <laughs> thankfully, I was just young, so I had to be nice to them. Because <laughs> I had a lot of older friends when I was younger, and I think that's because I wasn't gorgeous. So I thought, well, I better be nice to this old person. But if I had right. been young and gorgeous, yes, I don't think I would have bothered with them. Do you know what? A lot of that's people terrible, are like that. No, that I know terrible. two brothers, and one is not so pleasantly looking, nicer to the feet. Do you know what I mean? Uh, keep and going, keep he's going. a lot chattier and more and funnier and makes more of an effort than the gorgeous looking one exacto mundo exacto Isn't mundo funny yeah but they are young gorgeous and friendly do you think they're being paid to be friendly I to think you? they are being, yeah, that's what mm. I thought I thought first of all I thought, why are you being friendly to me this mm. is really strange you're too young and gorgeous to be friendly to me I'm an old person and then I think ah you're being paid to be and friendly and this is part of me. the crew uh, this is the gang the gang they're right. so lovely they are being paid they're, they're probably thinking this is think my future being... TV yeah you don't know where it's going to go I'm networking I've got to be pleasant yeah absolutely Okay. it's not genuine oh well thanks for that you just popped my bloody bubble oh well I'm still a 32 double D so who cares anyway, I was a 32 double D when I was pregnant shut up um, anyway two podcasts and then we're going to get Linda in I two podcasts what am I talking about two emails and we're going to get Linda in 
We were getting so many fantastic emails. Honestly, can I just say to everybody, thank you so, so much. We can't get through them all. Come in, I love it. We absolutely read them all. We do. I mean, I howl at some of them. I really do. And and cry at some of them, to be honest, because a lot of them are also quite sad. Uh, So it is podcast at htb60.com to get in touch. So Tracy has been in touch. Um, Hi, Kay and Karen. Just turned 63. I have struggled with turning 60. Not the age itself. I just don't want people to know that I'm in my 60s. I avoid telling people my age and I hope I'm never asked. I definitely don't want a party or balloons. She's like me. Mm -hmm. Now, wait for this. When I was 53, menopausal, and I'd been married for 28 years, I was fed up with the way my husband treated me and I had an epiphany. (laughs) I'm glad you're all adopting the epifamy terminology, everyone. Um, and I decided I was leaving. I had a business, mm. a lovely big house, two grown-up daughters, and I knew it was a massive thing to do, but I could just see my life bumbling along, same God. old thing. That is massive. Yep. I'm always up for adventure. My then husband didn't like me doing things on my own, and I felt stifled. Oh, so God. she left Wow. at the age of 53, met a man yeah. of 39. Woohoo! 14 years younger, so unsure about the age gap. I thought people would look at us and think it was awful. But 10 years on, we're married. We have a fabulous life. We travel. We go to festivals. We have a laugh together. I don't care what people think. Um, You have to stop thinking about the number and more about your happiness and where the next year will take you. That is incredible, isn't it? How many people just bumble along same old shit? God, just because it's so daunting. uh, It's overwhelming. The thought of actually leaving where we feel safe, secure, it's like happiness is just stifled there she says oh my god that's incredible the number of people that get a camper van go to cold and windy <laughs> places go to the pub and play dominoes Listen, with their partner I'm going to Valencia it's, next it's week just terrible <laughs> um, right another one one more um, this is from a man um, M man M I like that right. this is from M um, <laughs> M, I recently started listening to your podcast. As a man who is weeks away from turning 60, I'm sounding like M now. Do you I, like I am, yeah. This is a I'm enjoying hearing how others are dealing with this milestone. Or is it millstone? That said with a raised eyebrow. <laughs> for what it's worth, I wonder if part of the issue... Now, wait for this. Wait for this. Linda is going to love this. I'm going to have to explain fuck banks to Linda, so bear with me I think me they're explained on every episode right. now. Okay, yes, they are. Thank God. Jenny Eclair, we've stolen your um, intellectual <laughs> property. I'm sorry. So I wonder if part of the issue with women's fuck banks mm-hmm. running out is because the men in their lives aren't making enough contributions to keep them topped up. That's that's true. That is true. I don't just mean the actual Bang on. shagging. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, no, no, M said shagging. Uh, but the wider context of the relationship, it's a, not just making sure there's enough affection and attention. It's about doing the housework so she doesn't have to. Making most of the meals during the week oh. at the end of her working day so she doesn't have to think about that. I really do believe that all these things are vitally important parts of a relationship. As one of my customers once said to me, I wonder if he's a male escort, um, a woman's <laughs> dream is a man with a cloth in his hand Uh I see it as my job one that is anything but onerous to give my partner of almost 30 years the feeling that she's very much still desired and she is by flying my flag so to speak another raised eyebrow as a demonstration that the man in her life is still very much aroused by her so Mm -hmm. both of our fuck banks are wow. still in credit. I think Ooh. that deserves a round of applause. That is amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
I wouldn't say it's my dream to have a man with a cloth in his hand. No. But I mean, I'm, I mean, I absolutely welcome it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not my biggest dream. You managed to piss all over that story. You really did. But no, Karen. I think that's. Why, why are there not more men like that? <laughs> I know more men like M, who's fifty nine and yes. then nine I, months. I want to just say a little thing about not the. Well, maybe is it the majority of men? And I'm just going to go right back to my camper van story. <laughs> In those markets, shut it, Kay. <laughs> We're putting up this, we did actually get the massive awning up in Rosemarkey, right? Oh, but my God, what is wrong with men that won't take advice online? That Are we talking go about online? Yeah, God almighty. No, 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 it's all right, we do this, we do that. It took about two hours to get this bloody awning up. It should have taken about 15 minutes. And only if he'd gone online and, you know, got the tutorial there, and they, but no, 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 they've got to do it their own way. They've got to do it this way. Oh, did you nearly come to blows? I, yes. Oh, my God, I can feel it. I can actually feel my stomach tightening. Actually, is your stomach tightening? No. No. No, no I don't mean because of this. <laughs> Are you in pain with your doms, you know, with the Strictly, with your... Are you um, capable of holding a thread of conversation? No. Let's get Linda Robson in. This is Robson why I in. don't sleep at night. This up. is why it I really don't sleep is. at night. My head's all like this anyway. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing there. Hello, Linda. Linda. How are you? Hello, Kay. Hello, Karen. Are you all right? Problem in time. Yeah, I've been waiting here for ages. Is the two waffling on? No, waffles the word. I am coherent. Kay just goes off on one. It yeah, is the longest does. you've ever been silent, Linda. I know, yeah. I'm just listening to you two waffling all the time. Hurry up. Linda, being 60... Um, I know that we've had these conversations before, haven't we? That 60 was a real kind of um, significant age for you, wasn't it? Yeah, um, because, well, now I'll be 65 next year, so I'm 64 at the moment, and I've done more things since I've been in my 60s than I had done for the rest of my life. Because the only thing that I'm asked to do, I'm walking across the Sahara in November. Kelly Holmes is going to train me. Oh, wow. <laughs> because Nadia is having a heart attack. <laughs> Nadia's having a heart attack because we climbed Ben Nevis together, didn't we? Me, you, Nadia, Louis, Bobby Girl, loads of us. She was like an Amazonian woman. She just went off and left us. <laughs> oh, Joe's is right. You did. You reached, you, you reached the top and the rest of us were still halfway up the mountain. <laughs> I actually fell over and hurt my leg and I was waiting for a helicopter to come and pick me up. But no, no helicopter arrived. But my son, Louis, pushed my ass all the way up that mountain. <laughs> God, <laughs> I Nadia. was actually the last one to finish. Nadia has never let me forget that. Never let me forget that. So you actually that. did go off. Well, they were taking oh so God, long. Selfish to the core. It's all about me. I'm well, just we going to get on. We were walking for about three hours before we reached the mountain. That's <laughs> we hadn't even reached the mountain yet. I said, "You're joking, aren't you?" Jesus, really disturbed from. <laughs> but Linda, were you not wearing flip flops? Oh, you. St- no, I wasn't. I wasn't oh, you actually wearing oh, flip flops that time. I had actually put boots on. I put boots on that day. I knew I couldn't climb a mountain in flip flops. I'm going to try doing the Sahara in flip flops. No, you can't. <laughs> in, in my in my head, it's a nice sunny. We're in the desert. It's just like a, have you like tried a beach. walking on sand and flip flops? It's bloody difficult. <laughs> I know. Yeah, your feet's better than flip flops. But no. So how long so is that going to be? So we had wife. Um, for me, probably about a week. <laughs> it's a hundred kilometres. Wow. So Tom Parker's wife, Kelsey, was on the show last oh, week yeah. and she said she was doing the Sahara. So I direct messaged her and said, I'll do it with you. So listen, what's... So there's a hundred of us doing it. Oh, my God, right. So you said that it's you've done more in your 60s than you did before. What's what's changed then? I mean, why why suddenly 60? I don't know. I just think I don't know how long I've got left. So I might as well just try everything. So Are you I actually thinking that? 
Yeah, I am, honestly, because um, for my 60th, my daughter bought me a trip to Miami, and she wanted to swim with sharks. I had no intention of swimming with sharks. It didn't appeal to me at all. And then when we got on the boat, we went out for about an hour and a half, and I said to the captain, where's the toilet? He went in there. I went in where? He went in the sea. So I had to get in the sea (laughs) to go to the toilet, and then I ended up swimming with sharks. So that was one thing. The other thing was jumping out of an aeroplane. Was that a parachute jump? Was it a tandem jump? What kind of a jump was it? It was a tandem jump. But the man that um, I jumped, that was that I held on to, he'd done like 4,000 jumps before that. So I felt quite sort of safe. But it was the coldest day in history. And it was absolutely freezing. And we got up in the plane. And then the, the, the chute kept coming up. And then they'd pull it back down again to so say it was too cloudy. Then it'd go up again. And it go down again, then it go up again, and then eventually, before you even know it, we jumped, and it was the scariest feeling ever because you just drop for probably about two minutes, but it feels like two hours, and then all of a sudden the parachute opens and you go up, and you think, "Thank fuck for that." <laughs> <laughs> I've done one of those in New Zealand. It was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Oh my god! I think if it was a nice day and you could see like the scenery, it would have been beautiful. But because it was so cold, it was absolutely freezing and so cloudy and horrible that it was... And I hate being cold more than anything else in the world. I hate cold baths. I won't stay in a hotel unless it's got a bath. I hate showers. Oh, for God. And and I hate being cold. So, yeah, so it was absolutely freezing. So you wouldn't fancy being in a camper van in Orkney in the freezing cold? No. You women are weird. I got asked to do a pilgrimage walking from... Um, Northern Ireland to Scotland and I thought about it and I thought no it's going to be freezing it was like October November time <laughs> Aye, the, the Sahara appeals to me because it's going to be nice and sunny <laughs> I don't care if I've got to walk for hours and hours and hours so long as it's warm <laughs> so why do you think that you like being scared now that you're 60 in your 60s I, I just like to take on challenges I think really so anything that comes through that's sort of appealing and that I haven't done before and I think I'll give it a go. And if I can't do it, I'll just, I'm not scared to say, look, I can't do this. I'm going to have to go on or whatever. But so far, I've never had to do that. But now I've written my biography. Is it an autobiography I've written or a biography? Autobiography. Autobiography. So it's me. You can hear when you, I've been reading it, I've had to take out bits that I don't want in it because I've upset everyone. Mm. <laughs> and so my kids have read it and my sisters have read it. They're the only ones that have read it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know why I started telling you that. I want but, to know, sorry, you're, so you wrote your book and then you got your family yeah. to sort of edit it. So you had to take out bits in well, case you offended them. Yes, yeah, so I don't care about the people that I've offended that are not my family, but I don't upset anyone in my family. because I wanted the book to be called Kay Knows This. If my mum didn't have an affair with a bingo caller, I wouldn't be an actress. <laughs> but my sisters didn't really like that. <laughs> so I had to take that out. So now in the moment it's called In All Honesty, which I think is really boring. And then uh, on the back of the book, there's going to be a picture of me with a zip over my mouth. And Kay knows why I've got a zip over my mouth. Because um, in the in all the years, I've been in show business for 54 years. I was 10 when I started. So a few people along the way have annoyed me or upset me. So they better watch out for themselves because they're in the book. Um, but most mostly, I've been nice about everybody. In general, there's only like a few people that have upset me along the way. What is it like, you know, writing your autobiography? Because, I mean, you only do, well, I don't know, some people publish autobiography when they're 25, Mm -hmm. but most people wait until they're sort of older in life and then so they reflect back on their life. What 
what has it been like just the process of remembering and and revisiting stuff it's a bit like counseling because as you know Kay, i had really bad depression and anxiety and was on suicide watch for um for probably about two and a half years so we were in ibiza and i had a proper meltdown and had to come home early stacy solomon brought me back to um to england took me straight to the priory so i had a real real meltdown for a couple of years so it was only, I think, because of the depression and that, I just thought, I have got something to talk about now. Because most, up until then, it would all been fluffy and I've worked with and met so many different people. Tom Hanks and Michael Bublé, who gave me a massage okay. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed... Uh, Linda and I interviewed Michael Bublé. <laughs> and, I mean, I witnessed the incredible thought that her down on her knees in front of Michael Bublé and her and him massaging her shoulders. And I thought, oh, wow. I, I think I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> But yeah, there's been so many funny things, but a lot of sort of the depression stuff, and I've been really, really honest about that because if you had told me that would happen to me, I would have said no, no way. Because members of my family, like my husband, had depression, and so did my son, and I've been the one that had been strong for them, and then all of a sudden they were having to look after me, so I found that really difficult. Anyway, that was years ago, so I've been really honest about that in the book. Um, but the problem is, I've got to do my audio version now which I'm dreading, absolutely dreading, because I'm going to be in there for days in this little dark room on my own. Um, and if I go wrong, I'm going to have to go back to the beginning of the chapter and it's going to be really boring. No, because it's your story, Linda. Nobody can tell your story like you can. So you're the only person to do that book. And I think that's, that's what they've said. That will know, feel yeah. so different. But, so, but you can see, sorry, Kay, but you can see how reading your own story, your voice will be cracking. You know, you'll be, that'll be really hard. Yeah. And I'm allowed to say the F word so many times. <laughs> but, but, but when you have had to sit down and look back on your life, are there times that you, you've thought, well, it's really the first time you've sat and thought about how you felt then, or maybe you've thought, I wish I hadn't done that, or I wish I had done this. Has it you know, made you think about your life? Well, I wish that I hadn't put my family through what I put them through, because I, I felt a lot of guilt and still do about what I put them through, because... I was having to be locked in the house. Because um, as Kay, I tell you, I never drank a spirit in my life. And then just all of a sudden, I just wanted to black out. So I was just drinking anything just to black out. Just, I'd wake up in the morning and think, how am I going to get through today? And I did get through every day, but it was hard at times and that. But, um, yeah, so my grandchildren as well, my oldest one, Lila, she's 10 now, so she was probably about six at the time. And she had a carol service and they were scared that I'd go to the carol service drunk and show her up. So they were on watch outside to make sure that I didn't come in drunk, which I didn't. I would never have done that to Lila. But she was aware of what was going on at the time. And we, I ruined a whole Christmas once as well because I got so drunk. Um, I stopped eating and I went down to like about size eight and that. I looked absolutely terrible. But that's all in the past now. So it's, mm. it's easier to talk about. And it's been, the book's been a bit like cancelling. So, like, trip down memory lane. And the lady that I did it with was called Beth, and she's from Newcastle. And she knew things about me that I'd forgotten. She said, remember when you worked with David Jason? I went, oh, I forgot I worked with him. Oh, yeah. And then there was loads of things that, that she knew that I'd forgotten about. She'd really done her homework as well. And it starts with, like, when I was born, which is on a Friday the 13th of March in 1958. And um, the pipes all flooded in the German hospital. And right from that moment, my mum said she knew I was going to be trouble. <laughs> and I have been trouble over the years. So, I mean, even at school, when I was probably about 
12 or 13, I got my mouth washed out with soap from Ms. De La Kayla for swearing. So oh dear. I suppose I've always had a potty mouth, haven't I? Penny Lancaster once said to me, Linda, why do you think you swear so much? I said, I don't know, Penny. She went, did your mum swear? I said, no, my mum was Catholic Irish. She would never swear, especially on a Sunday she wouldn't swear. Did your dad swear? I said, no. So she went, why do you think you swear? I said, I ain't got a fucking clue, love. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. were you, like, did you have a kind of happy home growing up? Yeah, really happy. My dad was the biggest womaniser going. He was a good dad, although he never ever came to school plays or did anything with us, really. So he was a roofer and builder um, by trade. And then for our summer holidays, he'd take us down to a caravan site, either in Laysdown or Clapton. He'd drop us off on the Friday, um, stay for the Saturday, then go home, and then he'd come and pick us up the following week. So we never really had a family holiday. So my mum... It was like a one-parent family, really, at the time, anyway, because he was too busy playing away from home, really. But I loved him. I had a really good relationship with my dad. He was more like me. He had a sense of humour. My mum had no sense of humour whatsoever. But my dad had a really good sense of humour. Me and Pauline would go out with him on a Friday night with him and his mates. We'd go down to a pub called The Old Blue Laugh. There'd be, like, karaoke down there. And, um, and then... Sometimes we'd go clubbing, me and Paul, and we, went, we used to go string fellows. Peter used to look after us. He'd give us a table and a bottle of wine, and we'd sit over there. And we were in there one night, and George Michael was in there. And we said, right, we're not leaving till he leaves. We ended up going over at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> because we had to wait until George Michael left. You're such a name dropper as well. It's brilliant. You've got some great stories. I am. I'm Listen, a bit like Kay. I was noticing no, you were, were doing a bit you're of You're actually worse than Kay. Or better that's, than because Kay. I, that's because I've worked with Biggins. He's <laughs> 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 the biggest name dropper going. Yeah. Um, did your mum and dad stay together? No, they didn't stay together. So he, um, she found out he was seeing this woman in Essex Road called Sue. And then she chucked him out. But I don't think she thought he was going to leave, That, but he did leave. Um, and that was sort of the end of that. And then um, at one point, um, a woman turned up. He told us he was night watchman, so he was a roofer by day, builder. And then overnight he'd come home, have a bath, and say he was a night watchman. And then one day someone knocked on the door and said to my mum, are you Rita? So she said, yeah. So she went, I just want you to know that your husband's been living with me for the last two years. Oh, so that was the end of that relationship. But they're buried next to each other in the cemetery. But so I'm, I was just kind of thinking, though, Linda, for you, like, and in terms of the kind of relationships that you were looking for, it was it yeah. strange to have this dad that you loved and who was great fun and you had a great laugh and he was obviously very charismatic, but you also knew he was very unfaithful. Yeah, it was really, really hard because my mum used to drive around in a cab trying to find him. And then after that, then she used to drive around in the cab trying to find me because if I was supposed to be in at nine o'clock, I'd never be in. So I'd come home at 10 o'clock or whatever. So she'd get a minicab in her nightdress, driving around looking for me. And then years later, I had to do exactly the same thing with Lauren because Lauren was a wild child during mm. her 15, 16, 17, 18. She never really calmed down until she had the children. Did you worry about being with a man who was unfaithful or did that not bother you or did you have any thoughts about that? No, but um, so Tony, who's Lauren's dad, was my first love. So I met him when I was 16. We were together for 11 years and I absolutely adored him. Um, but same thing, my mum used to say, he's too much like your father, he's too much like your father and you don't listen to you. And then he was too much like my father. But he was he was always a good dad, a really, really good dad to Lauren. And uh, he was never horrible to me. He was never abusive or anything like that. He was just a really good looking boy. And lots of girls thought so too. But he was a very much of a lad's lad. So he'd be out with, the, like, Friday and Saturday, go out with all his mates. Um, and now and again, we'd go for a meal or whatever. 
and sometimes I go out with my friend, but there was never really a lot of time with us two together. And I went away on location once and came back and found tissues under my pillow mm. with lipstick on them. And he said his friend's mate had stayed with his girlfriend and the girlfriend must have left the tissues under the pillow. Mm. Um, did, did, you so, yeah, so, um, did you just know Did you just know? Yeah, I knew. Yeah, I know. Of course I knew. And then his friend, his, one of his best friends was Robert Warren. And uh, he gave Tony a week. He said, if you don't tell Linda within the next week, I was really close to Robert as well. Him and, his, him and his wife, Linda, we had babies together. So our kids grew up together, probably Warren and Lauren. And he said, I'll give you a week to tell Linda, otherwise I'm going to tell her because everyone in his intern knows. So he told me. Um, and then I found out he was seeing one of my friends. Do you think we do go for the God. same kind of men that our dads were? Well, my mum said I did in this case, and obviously I did. But, um, yes, yeah, see, my dad, I mean, my dad never, ever was abusive to my mum, never swore at her, never did anything. She hit him a few times. She threw an egg at him one day. <laughs> it smashed the window. But um, there was never any violence or anything like that. It was just, like, she was really, really upset. She was Catholic Irish. She was engaged to someone in Dublin and came over because my uncle Noel had polio so he could get treated at Bart's Hospital. And she was engaged to Jimmy Sullivan and then met my dad and never went back. Uh, thank God for that, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to. No. It's, I mean, the one thing that is so striking about you, Linda, that in all the time that I've known you, is that your family is like everything to you. And yeah. I mean, you know, you say sometimes that, you know, you you let them down or whatever. And, and me, knowing you as I do, I always think, not that your family's let you down, but, but you are the most loyal family person that I've ever known. I am, yeah, I love my family more than anything. And whenever I get asked to do a job, like when I told them about the Sahara, they went mad. <laughs> they went, don't be stupid. You can't walk across the Sahara. I went, yes, I can. I said, I'm a tough old bird and I will do it. And if I can't do it, I will say, I'm really sorry, but I can't do this. But at least I've tried. No, I was just going to say, like, as Kay said, your family is everything to you. And you mentioned like putting them through hell. The last, you know, few years when um, yeah. you go through a tough time, that m- must have put a massive sort of strain on your relationship with your husband. Oh yeah, it did. The, yeah, how was how that? Yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously it put a strain on it. But Mark had had depression years and years ago, um, and I didn't quite understand it. I don't think you ever do until you've been through it yourself. Because you just think, like when my mum went through the she obviously went through the menopause I just remember everyone saying pull yourself together you know like no one sort of understood it then did they and uh, yeah so I thought I never dreamed in a million years that it would happen to me but I'm the living proof that it can happen to anyone really Mm. Um, but you can get through it and basically what I do is I fill my day up and when I'm going to work I wake up in the morning and if I've got loose women I think yeah I'm going to work my mates today I'm going to have a really good day and I do have a good day and we do all get on really, really well. You're certainly packing it in, aren't you? I think that's when that's what you learn when you're in like rehab or you're in different like the private or whatever. Is you have to keep yourself busy. You have to work out what you're doing because when you when you haven't got something to do, that's when you get a bit depressed in that. But if you keep yourself busy, it's not depression for a long time. Sometimes that you just have to think. Whoa, I need to kind of actually what I'm doing is avoiding thinking about what's actually going on here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or is that just I, I just like to keep busy. And if I, yeah, and if I'm not busy working, then I'll just go away. Okay, I tell you, I'll just get on the train and take the dog with me now because I've got Dolly, um, who I love more than, not more than my grandchildren. She yeah, comes up close second, though. 
which is my little mate and that. So, and most places, like I go to Brighton a lot, um, dogs are welcome there. So I'll go and stay in the Grand I Hotel think dogs are the bee's knees, aren't they? I mean, oh, they really you love like Bee more than oh, yeah, Ian. Bee is my favourite child. Yeah. 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 Because they don't ask anything. Child. They don't ask anything of No, you. they don't. And they're always happy to see you. Unconditional love. Wacky tail. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so yeah. how do you see yourself in 10 years' time, Linda? Still working. I'm never, ever retiring. And I look at Janet Streetport and I look at Gloria. And Gloria's in her 80s. Janet's 76. And I think they're still working. So why can't I still be working in 10 years' time or whatever? So I'll always have something to say, no matter how old I am, and I'll always be honest. To the same level, or will you, you know, will you cut back a bit? No, I don't think you should ever cut back. Uh, right, we're going to play bingo, so these are just <laughs> random questions. <laughs> and the first one is number six. Okay. Right, so Linda, would you rather be 16 or 60? 60. Why? I don't want to go back to being 16 again. Going to the music venues with loud music blaring and losing your coat and getting out and can't find a cab home. And so now I'd rather be 16 because I'm, I like a nice car to take me home. <laughs> got quite snooty as well. <laughs> You've got above yourself, love. Right, another one. Uh, I have. Here we go. Here is it's number 40. I like this one. What is your best childhood memory? Uh, my best childhood memory is uh, Christmas Day, I think. Waking up and getting a um, an air hostess outfit. That was my favourite Christmas present ever because I had a thing that you put around your neck and then you'd have all the different things in it and you'd go up and down the aisle and ask people if they wanted anything. So I'd make <laughs> Tina and Debbie sit there and I'd be the air hostess and saying, what can I get for you, madam? And then I'd have little drinks and crisps and things in it and I'd give them out. That was my favourite Christmas present ever. Because I've never been on a plane then. Up until then, I thought air hosts had really glamorous lives. And some some of them do, but not necessarily that glamorous. I'm laughing at the thought of you, if if you'd had another life, Linda, and you'd grown up to be an air hostess, and, like, you got a customer that you didn't (laughs) like, and you would have said, fuck off, sir. (laughs) Oh, darn. I've got got a funny story about Joe Swash's mum, Kiffy. So we were all going to Cyprus, and they'd only just put the ban in from smoking on the aeroplane. So I'm going to Kiffy, have a fag before you get on there, because you can't smoke on that aeroplane. Anyway, halfway through the flight, she's gone to the toilet, and she's had a fag down the toilet. And then when she came out, there was an announcement over the over the aeroplane saying somebody's been smoking on this plane and we're going to have to turn the plane around. <gasps> anyway, so we're, we're all sitting there and the air stewardess walked up the aisle when she went, I can smell yes. smoking here. She pointed at Kiffy and she went, have you been smoking? And Kiffy went, no, I ain't. And Shana went, yes, you have, Mum, don't tell lies. Oh, <laughs> Anyway, they didn't turn the plane around, but That's they did so tell her off. <laughs> God, my mum would have done that. I mean, God, I mean, she wouldn't get on a plane without being in the smoking aisle. Oh, was she a smoker? Oh, my God, she was a smoker. No. She was smoking devastated. Oh. Cyprus Airways, Cyprus Airways used to let you go in the cockpit and have a fag in there with the pilots all them years <laughs> oh my ago. God. Them were the days. Linda, listen, oh, yeah. thank you so much. Um, it's always you're lovely welcome. to speak to you, and I'll see you soon. And um, I believe you're coming to to see my little my little dance tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. Don't so swear. you better be good. <laughs> no. no pressure. 
No. She'll be fantastic. You're joking, I will swear. I just kept thinking, like, because they did ask me to do it a few years ago, and I just kept thinking, I can't, I've never remembered a routine in my life. Like, I've done panto, I've done every, I've done less dance for sports, really. I cannot remember one routine. And I just kept thinking, if I did, I was only bed thinking, should I do it? I'd ask the kids, they went, no way, mum, you can't dance. Laid in bed and I thought I'd get out on the dance floor that night with my partner. The music would start and I'd go, I ain't got a fucking clue what I'm supposed to do next. <laughs> oh, that's horrible, isn't it? I oh. would not remember it, honestly. I would not. But you will. You oh. will. Oh, you will. That'd be good. I might do that in your yes, memory. You All right, well, I'll see you tomorrow uh, night then. All right, darling. Nice Love to you. meet you. Take care. Love you. Yeah, nice bye. to meet you, Karen. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 So this time next week, folks, I may be too embarrassed to come out from underneath the duvet after the first Strictly live show. So who better to talk to about it than former contestant and Dragon's Den veteran Deborah Meaden? <laughs>